Hello, everyone, uh, and welcome to uh, GCS Connect Leaders Series. Um, I'm here with Klaus Hüffler, um, who is a, a head of uh, development uh, for Doctari, very interesting company uh, based in Berlin. Uh, they work within the medical technology and medical software sphere, but we're going to find out more about that as we go forward. Uh, Klaus has a long history in engineering, um, highly technical, great programmer, great software engineer, but for the last five years he's been working with people and leadership. Um, we have uh, done a session with a colleague of his and uh, kind of a network partner of his, a guy called Jack, in the past, and he recommended that we speak to Klaus. And here's, here's Klaus now. So great to meet you, Klaus. Um, welcome to Leader Series. Leader Series is where we within GCS connect, get to speak to real leaders within our community and get to really understand more about you, uh, your companies, what you think about technology and business. So it's great to have you here. Welcome. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Fantastic. So I've obviously introduced you now, Klaus, and done a bit of a pitch, but do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, your background, you know, where you're coming from, and, and maybe a little bit about Doctari? Yeah, so currently I'm um, supporting around uh, 20 engineers as the head of development um, sure. and uh, software engineering at Doctari. It also includes uh, cloud web development, um, AWS um, development, but also Salesforce and more back office integration. So it's a okay. fairly broad field. And sure. um, yeah, I worked my ranks um, through the ranks. Like I used to be a software engineer, then a tech leader, a team lead. So I worked my way up through uh, mm -hmm. to management positions. And as you mentioned, I'm focusing completely on yeah, people, process, uh, culture uh, topics now. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I've come around a bit. I worked in Japan for a while. I lived in okay. Australia. And then eight years ago, I decided uh, to go back to Germany. And I'm now based in, in Berlin. And um, yeah, uh, Doctari is, is basically a platform to um, make medical professionals with opportunity at clinics. And um, yeah, I think our customers like uh, Doctari because um, they have um, flexible staff and uh, um, medical professionals like to, to work with us because yeah, they have a bit more say in where they work. They also get a bit more money. It's good for both sides. Okay, that's fantastic. And for you, it's, um, it's, it's very much around, you know, um, putting together, you know, putting together a platform for your, for your customers and your candidates to, to use, I guess. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've always uh, been strong uh, with like processes and also doing the transactions, like the contracts and payroll and these sort of things. We, we are kind of full service, but of course we want to get it more modernized, automate more things. And also we have a lot of cloud development going on to provide self-service uh, to yeah. our customers and also uh, to 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 doctors and so of course this is a bit more the um, um, yeah the modern part of of our um, software development. Brilliant. So so just kind of going back to what you just mentioned there, what's particularly interesting for me, and we've had a few of these conversations in the last. I'm quite jealous of you actually. You've got a you've got a mug of coffee there. I was, uh, I was rushing around. I didn't get chance to get myself a mug of coffee before we started. So every time you take a sip, I'm going to be be jealous of you there, class. But there you go. That's that's life, isn't it? Um, Moving through your career, when you, when you got into to technology, is that is that something you really wanted to move towards managerial, or did you? Is it something you you graduated to? It kind of um, developed naturally um, because once you are a bit more senior in software development, you you suddenly realize that maybe technology is the easy part and people is maybe the hard part. Um, yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> 
huge respect for for people you know that can align people to towards a common goal that's a bit my kind of my philosophy and uh, yeah i have huge respect to people um, that can do it i'm still learning of course but um, yeah. yeah i have also a bit um, a few years experience of, of doing that now I'm, sure. I'm yeah super interested you know how how teams how you can build great teams how they can actually support and uh, work towards uh, business goals so that's a bit my 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 focus at doctari as well sure and um, how long have you been with doctari um about a, a bit more than a year now yeah. okay fantastic so so obviously you've you've had that that, that experience of moving into a, a location as a leader um, and that's obviously something we can talk about. Uh, just quite interesting, you said about living in Japan and living in Australia and then obviously, you know, returning to Germany and maybe Berlin in, itself. I don't know, where, whereabouts did you grow up or start working in Germany? Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm from the south of Germany, um, yeah, okay. from near, near the border to France. Uh, so okay. For me, that's Berlin was also something new. We basically decided yeah. on Berlin because my wife and I, we both have never been to Berlin and Berlin yeah. sounded like a great idea. So we went. Yeah, now I've been to I've been to Berlin myself and it's quite a strange place because it's so cosmopolitan, isn't it? You know, yeah. so there's German is spoken so little in, in Berlin. You wouldn't believe it, would you? You know. Yeah, yeah the, the, the tech scene is very international. Also the companies, lots, lots of companies speak um, uh, English. I mean, at Doctari, we speak like um, the IT department speaks English, but maybe with the business departments, we speak German. So it's a bit uh, more of a mixed um, environment. Um, yeah, but it's, it's, it's yeah, inter interesting to be here. And it's also easy if you come new to Berlin, it's easy to fit in because, you know, not everything is kind of That's right. in, in, a, in a static way. I had, a, I had an interesting... We, we have an, an office in Berlin and obviously DAC is one of our fastest growing regions. I had an interesting conversation when I was there last back in when you could travel in a in a coffee shop in Berlin where I ordered a coffee, but I kind of I didn't even try to like say bitter or you know try to speak German, which to me in a foreign country is always quite rude, right? You've got you've got, and most people speak English, but you've got to give it a go. And um I said to the person, like, I think in Schuldigung, I tried to kind of say, so I'd speak some German and, and say, sorry, I, you know, I didn't speak in German. And the person who was serving me was Irish and said, oh, I don't speak German either. So it wouldn't have helped. <laughs> and I was like, really? You actually got a job in a coffee shop not actually speaking German. It's, it's that sort of place, isn't it? It's a very exciting place to be in. And, and, and get involved with the startups and the technology that's happening there, isn't it? I mean, it's, it, it's a very, um, uh, let's say, not fragmented, but um, different parts of Berlin are very different, right? Like, usually German cities, they have like a city center and it's kind of grouped around this and Berlin is very yeah, distributed. It has uh, the, the culture and the living is, is very different, different places in Berlin. Yeah, yeah that's right. And, and you said, I mean, I'm, it's kind of coming on to the kind of leadership styles. I mean, you obviously worked in Japan and Australia. Did you find the leadership styles quite different there to, as opposed to Germany? Do you, do you think the teams are put together differently? Yeah. yeah, I mean, um, I've been only a, a leader myself in Germany. Like I, I moved when I moved to Berlin uh, eight years ago, um, I started getting into that career. So yeah. um, Australia and Japan, obviously, I, I, um, I saw through the eyes of maybe an individual contributor or like a, a, an yeah. employee. 
And uh, yeah, it's um, of course Japan was super different. I mean, <laughs> I was basically there to just you know uh, make the experience. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's very uh, long hours, working very long hours. It's very um, a bit more hierarchical. Um, yeah. But there's also like a strong bond to the to the company itself, right? And sure. fortunately, as a as a foreigner, I was not expected to work all these hours. So I was a bit like, oh really? They 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 always gave you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the foreigners they are not quite so. Um, they, they are a little bit weird, so they they, they can make exceptions. Oh, fantastic! Oh, there you go. Yeah, so <laughs> it didn't didn't count. Um, Okay, so, so so going through, you know, obviously, you, 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 what's interesting for you, I guess, is that you've seen it from both sides. So you have been, like you said, a, a programmer, you've been within the teams and you've moved towards leadership. So so, so starting your leadership career, what, what are the main challenges that you've come across? And have they, have they been different within different companies? I mean, I think in, in the beginning, when, when you have been a software engineer yourself, I think it's the, the, the risk is that you get too much involved in every decision, like and you yeah. start micromanagement because you think you know it better. And I think this wears out over time pretty quickly because if you don't focus 100% on software development, you kind of, you're not up to date anymore. I mean, you can follow along, right? But you're not hands yeah. on in, 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 in the field any, anymore. And so pretty soon there was a realization that, you know, it's not my job to know everything better. It's my job actually to get people together, to agree on something and to line them and to give them context. And okay. this yeah. is really, really important for me and my teams as well, that we have um, a, a way that we have like 20 engineers. So how do they make um, um, uh, decisions together? I, I, I don't want to make the decision. I think the engineers should do it because... Um, you really need the buy-in for them to support these decisions, right? So, like, yeah. down decisions uh, don't work. I mean, of course, there are constraints, right, and boundaries, but um, I think the focus should be on uh, yeah, collaborative decision making. Because you've got that strategic element where you're you're moving forward, and this is where we're going. But you need your teams and and the people with the skill sets to really take those tactical decisions on how we're going to get there, don't you? Yeah. And, and this is pretty much natural leads to, leads to some kind of servant leadership um, yeah. approach, you know, where you understand you are not the one who knows the best. You're more like serving the team so the specialists can come together and make the best decision. And, uh, yeah, this is a bit yeah. my approach to leadership. Yeah. And, and have you found that that, that is, has differed between different companies? Is it is it linked into different types of cultures, maybe different sizes of business? Yeah, it's, um, I mean, how collaborative you can be in the teams also depends a bit, a lot on, you know, how much does the business allow the team also to influence like business decisions or yeah. uh, goals? Like, are you a company that works towards, you know, problems and, um, gives the problems to the teams and hey solve this for me or are they saying hey do this to x y and z and then you're a feature factory and have to um, follow along and of yeah. course engineering is a bit um, uh, at the end of the food chain there's uh, usually product management in front of it there's usually um, a business management in front of it and of course i've experienced this this um, very different in in, in very different uh, settings and then it's for me a bit up to you know to challenge maybe business leaders that are not mm. um, as and um, that are a bit more on the top down side to 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 also include the teams because they have awesome ideas and you know getting those together is 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 really the goal yeah. And and you've obviously done quite a lot of work kind of outside, you know, as a leader, been involved in open source projects, um, been involved in 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 the community, the tech community. Do you think that's particularly important for someone like yourself to 
to show leadership but also show kind of input to the community yeah, yeah i mean um to be honest um, i've been more involved with open source when i was a software engineer because i had mm. some open source project and also like talked on conferences uh, about mm. these uh, projects uh, with the last five years, I kind of felt mm, I'm learning so much. Um, am I at the right place to actually teach other things? But um, at nowadays, I'm, I'm very interested to also, you know, um, uh, uh, set up uh, workshops, especially in this remote situation. It's, um, I think, a big opportunity, you know, if people come together in an interactive workshops remotely from all over the world and actually teach each other stuff. I've been pretty active on, on, on Clubhouse and discussing with other leaders. And so mm. I'm hoping to get these workshops, these remote shops, workshops going in the future pretty soon. Yes, I mean, we're, we're, we're discussing and thinking about how we might move the, the podcast to, to Clubhouse. I and mean, obviously it's the, the hip tool at the moment, isn't it, Klaus? You know, how, how have you found it? And obviously the way I see it is it's very much a, an open social meet. It's a kind of a social media forum for chat isn't it you know that's that's how i see it um do you think it will help to kind of implement new 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 um improvements new innovations within tech and with other businesses what, what, what's amazing about clubhouse is that you have fairly easy access to really um uh, uh, people that know their stuff for example um yesterday evening i was in a chat with uh, kim scott she wrote the book radical candor um, a mm. book which I really um, uh, enjoyed reading. It's about how to give feedback in a good way. And, you know, she was okay. talking half an hour with other people um, on, on her new book, right? And, and this is yeah. actually an opportunity that, that, that's really unique. And, and, yeah, it's amazing. Also, like, different topics. Um, there's a lot of self-help and a lot of about marketing. But um, you also get um, into stuff like meditation or, I don't know, coaching or whatever. Yeah. But whatever you can think, think of, I, I think you will find a chat about it. That's right. Yeah, I think, we'll, I think we will do a, a GCS Connect. We'll do some sort of leader series on Clubhouse. So mm -hmm. hopefully, Klaus, you'll be able to join us. Um, so when you when you think about the challenges that you've had as a leader, which is really, I think what you're saying is that raising yourself out of the day to day activities to focus on bringing your team together and making sure people are working in a passionate way. What's the key things you've done to, to deal with those challenges? Because I feel the same myself sometimes. I come from a recruitment background. I'm the CEO of a business, but I also like the job of recruitment. So you get brought back into you know, as my boss would call it, the weeds quite a lot. So, so how, how have you dealt with that? How do you how do you keep yourself focused on the on the business goals? I mean, um, focusing on the business goal, usually there's like like um, uh, kind of three sort of cadences with the teams, like one cadence is day for day. You, you meet at the daily and you talk, you know, what's coming up next and where yeah. do you need help? And then the next cadence kind of is like a two weekly sprint. So at the beginning of the sprint, you discuss, hey, this is what we should do. And at the end of the sprint, you demo it to stakeholders or to other people, but what, what have we achieved? And then the like kind of the, the last cadence is like this quarterly. Like I, I like to think three months is a good, you know, you can't plan ahead too much, but at the yep. same time, you need a bit of structure. So quarterly. Mm -hmm. This is where I'm involved a bit more in these quarterly plannings, you know, saying, hey, these are the big goals that we want to achieve. And this is a bit how we see the teams working towards this goal. There's, of course, yeah. 
a lot of hiring going on as well, and some people, you know, switch uh, to different teams. Um, so this 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 quarterly um, um, a cadence. This is a bit where I'm more involved. And then when it's about actually going into the weeds, it's often yeah, about introducing a new tool or I'm you know um, um, assessing uh, what tool we use or how do we approach a certain problem. If something is new, I'm more involved. And then it's for me more about you know how do how how, how do I withdraw myself from this and actually yeah. give it to the team so they can um, continue to work on this. Do you miss it? Do you miss kind of the the weeds, as it were, the the, the technology? Yeah, sometimes. I mean, I do like like hobby projects and stuff. And but every time I get into it, I, I realize how how much effort it is to set up everything and you know get the development working. And then two hours later, you have done nothing except for installing tools. And so I'm yeah, I'm out of it pretty quickly. <laughs> so back back to the day job. Okay. And obviously, you know, one of the key things you've spoken about. We're now up to a year in the leaders series now on the podcasts, but is around COVID and remote working. Um, had you worked in remote environments before? I mean, obviously a lot of programmers have, not many recruiters have, but had you worked, you know, from home before? Yeah, not, not, not really. Um, I mean, um, in the beginning, uh, we were pretty conservative with people working from uh, home. Of course, now everyone is, yep. is working. So it was a bit of an accelerator for this. Um, yeah, we. I think for for I think technologists, it's a bit easier to get into it because you usually use Slack or some form of yeah, online right. chat anyway, and then just the step towards video calls is not uh, too far away. But for yeah. our business departments, it was yeah, um, and a real accelerator. And and now yeah. actually, I'm pretty enjoying it. Like I don't want to do remote work full time, but I certainly don't see a future where you spend five days five days per week in the office either i think no i'm really hoping for you know a flexible mix hybrid of, yeah um, yeah a hybrid um, uh, looking forward and different people they 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 experience this uh, remote work very differently i mean there yeah. are certainly people also who want to go back to the office you know i'm having a small place i i you know i need to switch off when i finished with work or this kind of thing mm -hmm. and i totally understand it and uh, yeah but the other way around as well right like people who Say so, no, this remoting that you get get more stuff of. done. Yeah, exactly. And how has it has it changed you as a leader? Do you think in the last twelve months? You, know, you talked about the cadences. You talked about you know kind of getting involved in certain areas of the project. What, what do you think has been different for you as a leader? I mean, um, the obvious challenge is that to be casually in touch with your team, you know, you don't um, casually bump into each other, right? So one-on-ones that I have done before um, already have become really uh, a real asset now to, to be in touch with people and to have regular um, uh, interactions. And in the beginning, I experimented a little bit on, you know, how, how, to, how to space them, how long to do them. And um, uh, when we were in the office, it was more like, um, let's have maybe um, 45 minutes every two or two weeks. And then I switched um, towards more like, hey, let's have little check-ins, but more often, um, just to keep in touch. And then I saw, hey, this is actually working out. People are okay. And then we switched back to these more um, yeah, um, uh, uh, longer Longer, um, uh, shorter, freq um, longer frequencies. Yeah, yeah we, we've we've talked a lot about trust on the podcast, and uh, yeah. I think for for leaders like ourselves, it's been a really interesting mm. and and you know positive experience to see that 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 trust can really exist in a workplace, and that that people kind of working 
to their own rhythms and their own flexibility can really do really great work, can't they? Yeah, I mean, if if you you thought micromanagement works, I think maybe maybe it has. I think it was never a good idea, but um, uh, remote work really is like an amplifier for for these these uh, wrong ways of management anyway. So, yeah, trust is super important, right? And of course, also on the other side, you you need to expect from people that they are also very proactive. You know, if you have a problem, you know, no one will tap on your shoulders and ask you, or maybe they do, but you also have to be very proactive. And yeah, and this is amazing how uh, to see how how what 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 comes out of out of this trust and proactivity. Now, the way I understand it, now moving on to Doctari, what Doctari provides is a, a you know worker a worker management platform, so that if you know hospitals, surgeries, you know, doctors, nurses, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, need short term labour for particular shifts or whatever. Mm-hmm. Doctari can provide those um, provide those people through a, a kind of an automated connection tool. Am I right in saying that's that's the kind of the elevator pitch? Um, now, if you listen to that, you would have, you would think that you guys will have been incredibly busy in the last twelve months, un- unhappily, obviously, because it's been a very difficult time for health services. Has that has that come to pass? Has it been like real pressure on you and you know real real heightened desire for your product? Yeah, yeah. I think business has been a bit of a mixed bag um, mm. because, of course, there is a high demand, you know, like with with um, vaccination and um, these sort of things. But there is also like um, um, uh, different procedures have been postponed that maybe someone said is not so necessary. Um, so business has died died down a little bit on this front. Like we have less operations in clinics, and they also need to reserve certain beds for um, incoming patients or for emergencies um, so there's kind of less business uh, clinics have have kind of um, had uh, less business in the past at the same time um, uh, i mentioned it before like we are now um, uh, working on the staffing for a vaccination center in hamburg it's a, it's the biggest one in germany and they hamburg decided to vaccinate people in, in a central place and uh, we basically provide um, the, the staffing for, for this vaccination center. So that's completely new opportunities as well, right? So, um, yeah. and then, yeah, um, in the same time when we said, hey, the business um, is, a, is a bit slower, um, um, then these new opportunities come up. And of course, we also work on automating more things like we double down on the softer side to maybe um, take this opportunity to also come out of this um, uh, crisis yeah in a, in a stronger way with stronger services and stronger tools mm. and you, uh, you know the a, lo- a lot of it's all been an adaptation hasn't it you couldn't foresee this was coming did you have to do some really quick like software development did you have to kind of right okay we need to change the product like this or did the was the product quite you know, quite solid that it could could it could adapt to different requirements. Yeah, with with this vaccination center, we decided on a completely new tool. Um, uh, mm. So I think that was the right choice because really we had to get something up and running within uh, weeks. And now, wow. of course, we are kind of trying to integrate it better into the rest of the IoT landscape. And uh, that, of course, if you build up some tools over time, right, that always takes um, a little bit longer. Yeah, and I think um, you know what's what, what's really interesting is that you can kind of do that nowadays with the, with the tools that are out there. You know, and, and as a leader, I guess you have to 
to set people in the right way to say because there is that element you know particularly in what you're doing if if this is really important you know like if everything's important business commerce but we need to get this vaccine center set up in hamburg has a different type of a different type of motivation and incentive really for people doesn't it do you you find it's easier to, to motivate people to do something this important I think this is a general feeling in the med tech industry, right? That you are working for companies that have a really, really good purpose. And that's yeah. also what, what makes this enjoyable. Um, yeah. I mean, other industries are also great, right? But uh, this makes it really enjoyable to, to work there. Right? And you can really see, you know, uh, with the results, hey, uh, that you did something did something useful for, yeah, for everyone. That's fantastic, and and you can and you can you can see those results very quickly, can't you? So hopefully, had a again a fully motivated team and everyone working well together. What's the advice you would give to to software development leaders then, who you know have to quickly change their product for such an important you know moment or or or, or issue? I mean, maybe there are two kind of categories. I mean, one category is where you have a completely new goal and you have to fulfill it and then probably it's it's really good to i mean we are fully bought into software as a service other we would have never been able yeah. to get a system up and running that quickly right to to react yeah. on these um, uh, new opportunities at the same time i also see a lot of companies where maybe the business um, slows down a little bit and my my um, suggestion would there be more like you know to 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 really keep focusing on the goal because the crisis will be over and I think the companies who have used the time of the crisis, you know, rather than running around like chickens, maybe have doubled down on their focus. I think they will come out um, again really strong. For example, there is a, a company in Berlin that um, is a platform to, um, you know, to to sell um, uh, uh, tickets uh, like Disney World or access to different tourist attractions, and they said, hey. Our business has died down, but now we are double down on on what we do are good at, and they took more money onto. And I think they will be really strong because maybe other businesses aren't as. as yeah, as that's right. Yeah, it's kind of you know it's, it's it's you know fixing that roof, isn't it? You know, and it's not raining or whatever. It's the company really push it forward and and take that opportunity to to build a better product. And you're obviously within that innovative technology world. You 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 think you know about how technology can can improve things and as we know the areas that you worked in and have worked in for the last few years are very very key at the moment they've really raised in in importance and visibility to the world um how do you think that innovative technology will will really help that the industry to move forward and, and provide a better service I mean, with medtech, obviously, regulations play um, a strong part in everything. And yep. um, of course, squaring like agile development with a lot of regulations and restriction, yep. that's um, a key challenge. And I, I think this is really something we, we need to get better at. For example, in Germany, you are now you have like um, mobile apps and that you can actually get um, paid for by health insurances. But of course yep. you have to fulfill a strong catalog of regulations and GDPR is obviously always um, um, in, 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 in the mix. So any company that kind of develops, you know, this skill to be very iterative, to be very agile, but still being good in fulfilling these regulations, I think yep. they, they will have a big, a big future. Um, and both of those 
um, opposing pressures are important, aren't they? So it's quite difficult to reconcile them, isn't it? Especially after the fact, like I worked for a company that first they developed um, a, a mobile app or um, a service to kind of um, foresee what, what uh, on your symptoms, what kind of um, sickness you might have. And yeah. uh, then they, after the fact, they try to um, uh, put in all the, they were very early on, yeah, right? right. And okay. afterwards, they try to add the regulations on top of it. And that's super hard because, you know, yeah. processes are not set up like this. Your people are not aware of what's going on. It's, it's, it's really hard to do it afterwards. I can imagine that's quite a hard thing to build, isn't it? Because, you know, that's, that's a little bit like looking on Google to say, I've got a, a pain in my knee and then, Google tells you all the things that could be wrong with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you've got to you've got to get that right, I guess. And, and 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 the other area that you work within is obviously this this workforce management, which obviously links into the recruitment and the staffing industry in terms of you know you could use this product, I guess, for any type of shift work, any type of even IT worker work. You know, um, what, what have you learned from working very closely within the within these areas, within the the staffing areas? Is it has it been interesting for you to see how it works? I mean, for me, uh, like hiring more engineers works fairly different to the way we are staffing uh, like medical yeah. professionals. I think it's, it's, it's a fairly different jobs, but, you know, you always hear like um, uh, hiring people. And then in the beginning, I was super confused when I started my company. Are they now talking about hiring employees or hiring medical professionals? And was very confused. <laughs> but um, yeah. staffing, of course, you, you, you also, we built up a large database of professionals that want to work with us, a large database of uh, clinics that want to work with us. And then it's like you know, getting a good match in terms of you know what what every party wants to achieve um, mm. and, and, you, and you talked about automation a little bit you know how how, how can you see like automation helping the, the process to, to be more efficient yeah getting this good match right um, um, matching uh, skills availability is is very hard um, because you never exactly know um, does a doctor can a doctor work on this weekend are they available or not um, yeah. You kind of have to ask this. So uh, currently it's a bit of a mix of semi-automation, but, but still manual um, steps in there as well. And of course, we want to get better better at it um, to make it as automated as possible. And when you're working with your clients, do you see, a, like you said about the vaccination center, is, is there a kind of 100% take up? And is it, is, it, is it really impressive for your customers? I'm sure you're going to say it is, but you know, they kind of, wow, this is like you've, you've You've showed them a whole new world, you know, mm-hmm. change the way they think about staffing. I mean, that's certainly the future of Tai as well, to maybe go more into like maybe workforce management, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, um, taking over the staffing at the clinic, you know, as an external company. Uh, I think other, other industries already do this. So it's a bit going away from this, you know, one placement and then we are done kind of thing, more to more strategic thinking, hey, what does the clinic or what, what, what does the vaccination center actually need in the future in the next three, five years, what, what kind of staff they need and then help them uh, build this up. So the, this is also an interesting development. Sure. And then thinking about your own business, you know, as we come out of COVID, um, things seem to be really hotting up at the moment. You work thinking about Berlin, huge amounts of startups starting again, the big corporates are hiring again, which is all great news, but maybe not so much for hirers um, because it puts uh, makes it more candidate-centric market. How, how do you see the, the talent in the staffing landscape progressing over the over the coming months and years 
I mean, during during Corona, it was um, I have to say easier for us to hire. I, I think a lot of people may be looking for something a bit more permanent. Uh, maybe there are also companies that let go few people. So um, recently, we had less problems filling position. I mean, it's always hard, but sometimes it's 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 a little less hard. Um, I mean, for us, it's also like uh, for the year that I worked with the company, like we, we we tripled the engineering team, which sounds like a lot, but it's actually if you look at other companies, they they kind of in hyper growth, right? Like yeah, we are growing right. fairly steadily. Um, uh, yeah. And uh, I always laugh at these companies that say we've taken on a hundred people in the last month, and you're like, how, how have we done that? It just seems like such a huge amount of work, doesn't it? You know, definitely. to kind of give someone a really good start, like one person is 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 the work of one person. You know, it's and then you need a hundred people to take those hundred people on. I always I always laugh at that and think, wow, that's that's impressive, right? It's really super hard for the culture, you know, if yeah. you get to have a, a lot of people coming in. And as you mentioned, you know, onboarding is is, is, is super important. And uh, yeah, I'm wondering if every company that gets 100 new people on board also maybe doesn't lose a few people. Yeah, loses 100. I've, I've seen that before. I've, I know I've looked at our stats sometimes. You hire 100 and maybe lose 75, so you grow 25, don't you? So. But it's great. It's great to, to hear from yourself. And, you know, I think one of the things that's particularly interesting is obviously just understanding, you know, how how your software is is really changing an industry and an industry that's so important at the moment. So it's been great to speak to you, class. Thanks very much for your time today. Um, I'm sure that uh, you'll take Dr. on to, to, to even greater success kind of post-COVID. And, uh, and well done on helping with the vaccination centre in Hamburg. Sounds like that was a great success. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Fantastic. Thanks very much, Klaus. Cheers. Mm -hmm.